You're listening to the Changing Normal Podcast, where we strive to outdo the old normal and reject the new normal. And now your hosts, Owen, Dan, and Ben. Welcome to episode 35. We are back and we're going to hit this thing off with an update. Let's hear about what everyone is doing. Hopefully something productive as we roll into spring. (laughs) A whole lot of things productive. Losing your sanity yet? (laughs) I don't know if I get sprayed by a skunk one more time, I might. (laughs) (sighs) That's kind of a job hazard for you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Play with skunks, you're bound to get sprayed at one point or another. (laughs) Owen. Yeah. What has happened since the last show? Oh, well, it's been pretty busy, but I kind of boiled it down to just a few things. Uh, A few weeks back, I built a pig shelter, a portable pig shelter for out in the field because I'm going to be putting the uh, pasture in my pork this year. So needed a little place for them to hang out. It's covered, so I had some uh, bench tops from work, which are essentially tubing with expanded metal over them. And I just ripped them all down, used them for my sides, built a couple uh, sort of rafter type systems over the top. And I'm just going to get a tarp and zip tie a tarp over the whole thing. And then I can easily remove the tarp for summer or for winter rather after the summer's over. So yeah, uh, just the only thing I got to finish on it is build some, put some wheels on it. So I ordered some 10 inch, no flat tires from Amazon. (laughs) And uh, so tomorrow I'll probably work at, I'm not sure if I'm going to bolt them through the frame or weld them onto the frame. I have to see how exactly they're going to fit. And I'll have the whole thing up on little 10 inch tires so I can just push it around, Mm -hmm. push it from one paddock to the next. Probably I'll have to weld on a, maybe a a post or, or uh, probably a piece of tubing that I can drive Mm -hmm. a couple rods down in so that the pigs don't just push it around the field. Gotcha. (laughs) Moving their jail cell. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So is this from scratch then the whole structure or do you have? Oh yeah. No, the whole structure is from scratch. I mean, Gotcha. The, the the pan the panels were they're twenty by five with the expanded metal all attached and so I just mm-hmm. ripped them in half so they were ten by five and then ripped them lengthways so they're two and a half by five or two and a half by ten mm-hmm. and I made a ten by ten three sided structure basically so one side they can come okay. in and out the other three sides they've got two and a half feet tall steel expanded you know. Uh, mesh basically and then the framework over the top um i did a little video for the youtube channel so you can people can check it out there if they want to look at it yeah (laughs) (laughs) for those of you who like a very nice visual of this beautiful piece of artwork that owen has built (laughs) well don't sell it too too much (laughs) oh man looks good looks good so anyways, yeah, I did that. Um, I have spent the last week and a half 
kind of focused on turkey hunting. I did not get my tag this year, but a friend of mine did. And so we spent a couple days, early mornings, uh, hanging out in tree lines and <laughs> things, trying to call in turkeys. Unfortunately, we were not successful. We were successful in calling them in. We were not successful in actually shooting one dead. <laughs> um, but that was fun. Learned a ton about that. What a rush. Oh, I've never hunted turkeys before. So that was quite a rush to call a turkey in from, you know, 200 yards or 250 yards across the field into decoys. Um, yeah, that was pretty fun. Mm. did you find that they were aggressive and responding to a, a call uh the one morning they were uh there was a the second morning we went out at one point we had four different turkeys gobbling at us from four different directions oh boy mm. and they were all they were all into it and only one actually came and approached the the decoys one was quite a long ways away uh, the other, I think, couldn't see the decoys from where he was, and he got confused and ended up heading in the wrong direction. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know what was up with that. Uh, one never, and then, yeah, then there was one that actually came out and came over to check us out. So, yeah, hmm. uh, the other two mornings, we did got absolutely nothing. So... <laughs> <laughs> limited time to hunt so it was you know it was what it was and we had a chance and didn't work out but uh yeah it was still fun hmm. uh got on noster ben somehow convinced me to get on on noster last couple of weeks so uh, that's kind of interesting okay. to I've, play around I'm super with super curious about this yeah how yeah. do you like it <laughs> i i actually really like it uh it's i would say low on features depending on your platform and what yeah what's the term to use what uh the client what client yeah, what, you use. what client you're using mm -hmm. um the fact that you can download multiple clients and your f quote unquote friends you know the people that you follow or or whatnot uh, it would remind you of Twitter in that respect. Um, but the people that you would follow or would follow you are all there because it works on a seed. Well, not really. A, works on a key. Key pair. Public a key and private pair. key pair. Yeah, public and private key pair. Thanks, Ben. And so that just sort of almost like a seed phrase with Bitcoin, wherever you put that in, it brings all of your information because you own it mm -hmm. and it's tied to that private key yeah. brings it with you. So I, I had downloaded one client and then I was trying to use it. It was a little bit clunky. And then I heard about another one. So I said, well, I'll go, go check it out. Put in your private key. Boom. All the people that I followed were there. All their posts were there. Everything was there. So it wasn't like going from Facebook to MeWe 
where you have mm-hmm. to hire new following. Yeah, all of those are yeah. different platforms, but this is like a, a totally different setup, not just an alternative platform. That's because right. It runs on uh, what do you call the base layer? It's a, a protocol. So a protocol. Yeah. Noster yeah. stands for notes and other stuff transmitted by relays. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the easiest way I've heard it explained is like email, like HTTPS. Mm-hmm. I don't know. HTTP. That might be HTTP. Yeah. Yeah. So like it doesn't matter what email server you use, whether it's Proton Mail, Gmail, or Outlook, <clears throat> or if it's a private server, Mike they'll send you an email, you'll get it and be able to interact with me through that protocol. So when uh, the only thing that's interesting about the Nostra protocol is that you can't delete stuff. Mm-hmm. You can send a request to the relays to have it deleted. So there was a, was his name? BTC Gandalf actually posted his key. Oh yeah. Right. Onto, onto the Nostra protocol. <laughs> so anyone can go to his profile find his private key and then use that private key to log into a client and post as BTC Gandalf. So it's <laughs> all over the world. Utilize his private key that he posted. Yep. Hmm. This is an interesting dynamic because um, social media networks have become one of the most important networks, I would say. Mm-hmm. in uh, how our society interacts, whether that's seeing what's happening in the community or uh, Facebook marketplace, you know, things like that, news um, where people are getting their opinions from. Um, and to have it, I guess, a system that breaks free from the old platform model with its problems of centralization and your risk of being cut off from a network you built. And, and then just being, um, I guess the situation with the protocol and you said the different clients on top, it sounds like it has so much more opportunity for innovation because like anybody could build a client. And then that basically creates uh, a market competition, mm-hmm. which platforms like Facebook lack. They rely on their dominance, you know, that network effect that they've built up to simply keep their users on it and they don't have to focus on improving the user experience as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. And, and I find myself going on it. I wouldn't say a lot, but uh, I think it certainly has. Well, for me, of course, a very limited number of people I follow. And so there's tons of Bitcoin news on there because a lot of Bitcoin people have really been attracted to this but i'm seeing them tend to be a little more tech inclined yeah and but i'm seeing a little more of this and so i'm purposely trying to follow stuff that is not bitcoin when i see it um just so i can try to get you know a variety of Mm -hmm. things that pop up in my feed because you see everything yeah (laughs) yeah so how is the uh, the feed structured? Is it like on a timeline basis? Similar to other platforms uh, where you simply see posts from other people or yeah, but you see everything like, uh, like a YouTube where it puts certain things in front of you. No, you see everything. 
There is no okay. alg- there's no algorithm that says, oh, Dan will want to see this because he's viewed mm-hmm. these other things. Mm-hmm. Or and nobody can get shadow banned or have their posts, you know, reduced to be not as visible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so if someone okay, so posts- currently the clients are just showing you uh the posts as they uh <clears throat> have when- been added. On whichever relays you're connected to that your tribe or the people you follow and the hashtags you follow are connected to. Mm-hmm. So I there's you can there's free relays and then there's uh paid relays. The free mm-hmm. relays tend to have a bit more spammy stuff. Actually, my interaction with a uh, chat GPT AI bot is through Noster. And uh <laughs> That was interesting. There were a few little things. I'm like, hmm, that doesn't sound like a human. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think that's the, an argument for the, why things shouldn't be absolutely free. That there should be a, a small cost, at least, even if it's only like a few cents, because then at least you have some cost. The spamming. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. if it's totally free, it doesn't matter if you um, do 100 or uh, 10 million. But if it costs you even a few cents, <laughs> then you <laughs> at least the spammers run out of money at some point, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, a podcast I listened to on, on Noster, they talked a fair bit about that as being a way to combat uh, attacks, spam attacks on the system, essentially. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so. Mm. Yeah. So, anyway. do you, since we uh, we mentioned the uh, algorithms and suggested uh, post type model, um, mm-hmm. do you think clients might offer that? Is that something people want? Is an algorithm that uh, what 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 the phrase is curates? I think curates mm-hmm. the feed for you, basically. I, from what I know about it, I don't think that. Uh, I mean it. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but the clients essentially just create a user interface to interact with the protocol and the protocol or uh, the relays run the protocol that the clients interact with through. So I think the only way that like the only way you can delete quote unquote a post is that if you send a delete request to the relay and then the relay runs it back and we'll remove it. Um, so as far as an algorithm goes, I don't think, uh, unless the majority of the relays start coding in an algorithm, uh, I don't think that, I don't think it can happen. I mean, I'm not going to say, yeah, like I said before, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but, um, as far as I know, the clients don't have that control over, uh, Oh, here we go. The clients are essentially just relaying what's on the on the relays. The clients are just mm-hmm. visualizing the relays from mm-hmm. everyone else that's utilizing mm-hmm. the protocol. Yeah, but the client is uh, where you have your user interface, right? Mm-hmm. So technically, it shouldn't be too hard for it to choose what you're seeing. I was just wondering if this might be something people would want. Because I could see it being a useful tool, particularly if it was open source and not one of these hidden algorithms, but one where maybe you click a few buttons and it uh, maybe it sorts uh, things that you haven't seen. Like if you want to explore, find new people to follow and so on. There's um, um, 
there's a worldwide discovery tab so you can punch that and then it just starts exploding with all of the mm-hmm. all the people and posts that are on the relays you're on as well so the most of them are people you don't follow or things like that then the other one is uh hashtags so like um because <clears throat> excuse me because it was mostly bitcoiners that were on noster uh jack spearco started this hashtag grow noster thing and uh anyway so it was it was basically just to build groups and communities and um he used the term tribe but base um you know it's posting anything but bitcoin content and then using the hashtag grow noster and then uh say you know permaculture or keto or uh, lumberjack or just like anything you know hunting something like that um so then when uh, when that post shows up in someone's relay or their feed uh you can you tap on the hashtag and then it'll show you posts that have utilized that hashtag and then once you know you go through and you find some people to follow you follow them then you dm them oh that's the other thing uh all direct messages are end-to-end encrypted by default so that part's pretty cool um and then uh then it's, it's essentially it essentially grows the feed that you see based on whether you follow people or hashtags are followed that's not the coolest thing though okay you just took the words out of my mouth finally you took the words out of my mouth for once i was just gonna say that the it also basically has lightning bitcoin completely integrated from the start yeah built right into it so you just very simply connect your lightning wallet to your account and people will zap you money zap you bitcoin very like quickly <laughs> not a lot just a few sats but yeah i don't know they do these zapathon things where people yeah. are seeing like fifty thousand hundred thousand two hundred thousand zats in like an hour it's yeah like z- blasting them to just anyone and everyone <laughs> I can't even buy a cold card with Bitcoin yet. I'm not that comfortable. With <laughs> uh, really, yeah, really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's worth checking all out. Right. I may have to check it out at some point. I've never used after, it on desktop. After all the gardening stuff is under control. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might be a fall winter project. <laughs> yeah. Man, spring hits hard. All of a sudden, it's like oh, yeah. gotta go, go, go. <laughs> uh, so it's been a lot of that for me, trying to get garden going, trying to figure stuff out as I go. Um, I'd put a pretty heavy layer of straw on my uh, new garden bed last fall, and I was looking at that and tried planting some things without removing straw, and then look, looked at it and thought, well, that's probably not going to be ideal for the new little shoots coming up and so i started stripping some of the straw off uh, another section and maybe leaving a, a very minimal layer as mulch but not the heavy layer because it, it was it was pretty thick like several inches and uh of course the bottom stuff is wet but then the top bit you've got a lot of fluffy stuff and traps we just too we much just... of an obstacle to plant into and for yeah everything to well, grow up through what we always did is just pulled back 
a little bit around where we, if we were planting like plants, we would just pull mm -hmm. it back. If we wanted to plant mm -hmm. seeds or anything, we would just make a little row mm -hmm. in the, in the straw and plant mm -hmm. in that row. And then later, once the plants get up, you can kind of pull the straw back around them if you want. Gotcha. Yeah. So instead of stripping it right off, you're just kind of making the little pockets or pull, pull a little bit back enough to put your plant in mm -hmm. and, and they'll still, you know, grow up in that one spot. And then most of the, you know, the mulch is still doing most of what it needs to do over the whole garden. Mm -hmm. Yep. I did uh, try transplanting some Swiss chard down in through the straw and uh, you make that little pocket, but then you stick the plug down in it. It's like the straw is higher than the mm -hmm. transplants leaves. And it's like, huh? I, and then uh, I was trying to do fairly dense planting. And uh, then it's like, you're pushing straw back towards the last one you put in. And it's like, this is a little bit of a, a yeah. fight actually. I think it was too much straw. So. Right. Right. It's interesting though. So I've got that stuff on the go. Man, I'm going to have to mow the lawn soon, especially around uh, <laughs> my berry bushes and stuff. The grass is just taking off now. Um, I did plant some trees. I said I wasn't going to this year. I was like, I'm <laughs> just going to take care of my current stuff. <laughs> so I don't know if this qualifies as an addiction or not. Maybe I need help. <laughs> I don't um, think either one of us are going to stop you from planting trees. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's an addiction I can encourage. Yeah, this, this is not the uh, the Planters uh, Anonymous group. This is the right. uh, unrepentant uh, cult still. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Plant oh, the trees and be happy. <laughs> word. Um, so yeah, I planted uh, five black walnut and uh, I think it was eight chestnuts so kind of feeling 50 50 about the chances of survival for these chestnut trees i did grow out some chestnuts from seedlings about seven yeah seven springs ago i think and uh most of those that have ended up dying over the last five years so that was a disappointment but we'll uh try it with these ones they're a lot different from planting uh or, or growing out from seed because those those plants were quite small when I put them out in the field, you know, just a few inches tall, basically, first mm. year. Um, these ones are uh, like four foot-ish bare root. So we'll see how they handle the uh, transport. Um, they're not showing signs of life yet, but I'll just see if they bud out over the next couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. Neat. That's uh, happening all over the province now. Seeing all the leaves coming out. Oh yeah. Some it's so nice because it means the uh, means the end of crazy spring fire season. It's very close. <laughs> we can all breathe a little bit easier at the office. We're not super worried about it. But it's been. Mm, has it been a bad fire season in New Brunswick? Um. I haven't heard about too much. We're we're well over a hundred fires in the reporting system for the province right now. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's like we're nowhere near as bad as yeah. Alberta or British Columbia. So, are ninety of those people lighting the grass on fire? 
thinking they know how to do it. (laughs) When people think it's a great idea to burn their garbage in a pit when it's blowing 40 kilometer an hour wind. Like, oh, there's dirt all around it, but the trees and the brush are only like six feet away. Oh, it'll be fine. It's kind of annoying. Then you show up with three fire departments and the fire departments are like, we've got a structure fire we need to go to. I'm like, yeah, sure. See you later. (laughs) Good job putting this one out. Go put the other one out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Apparently it's uh, very bad out in Alberta dealing with the wildfires. Yeah, there was... Uh, I think the last report I heard, there was close to like 75 or 100 fires that still didn't have people on them. Like, wow. They were just completely, like, so, so many crews have been working on the other fires that are going within the provinces that they haven't, they have no staff. So I think they, um, there was a number, hmm, somewhere around like 80 crews of 20 people were requested so like 80, 20 packs, I think is. Wow. And uh, the year I went on deployment to Alberta in 2019, there was a crew from Mexico, at least one crew from Mexico. There was a crew from New Zealand, a crew from Australia, and a crew from um, South America that were all there that summer. 2019 <laughs> was a pretty bad summer as well. Hmm. So thankfully in the province, we have very amazing volunteer fire department fire departments that are pretty gung-ho to get on forest fires and they do a pretty fantastic job of suffocating them and getting them out quick because we don't have enough Hmm. staff to fight it just as a department so Hmm. did uh, you see any of the uh reports or allegations maybe that that uh, there was a firefighter conference in Alberta that uh, <laughs> part of it was uh, doing a controlled burn and it uh, got out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to follow up on that, but I haven't, I haven't yet. So I can't confirm if that happened, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. It's, and, and to add insult to injury, that was the first all female run control burn yeah Hmm. yeah that that, that's that's one of the many fires see that alberta okay so the united states fight fire very very differently they fight it like uh militantly like the the crews (coughs) excuse me um i'm getting over a cold for whatever reason this spring cold it's not allergies i'm just sick um (laughs) why would i get sick the weather turns nice i don't know um but the uh the united states fight fire like like fire is a military enemy um alberta and british columbia they do a lot of back burning so they fight it aggressively but they fight fire with fire literally the problem is that sometimes the conditions aren't so aren't so great and they end up they're like we're gonna square this fire off I've seen it done. I actually ran a drip torch one year. Um, that was that was actually the scariest day on the fire line in 2019 was when I was actually running a drip torch. Um, but they'll, you know, they'll start a backburn, but then that gets out of control and it either spots a new fire. So like the fire is in um, 
fuels that are conducive to like spots so like embers are shooting out like when a fire mm -hmm. gets big enough when a fire gets big enough it creates its own weather system oh yeah so like you can i know people that have been on big large fires and the the sheer wind being created by the fire burning is like it's like rip almost ripping the clothes off their body it's like gale force winds on the ground that's being created by the fire uh, mm. i watched i've seen a fire like here a fire burns in softwoods because softwoods have pitch which is flammable i saw a fire burn off twenty thousand hectares in aspen aspen trees so like hardwood like deciduous leafy green trees it just got in the tops of them and it was so intense it just burned up twenty thousand hectares in a night hmm. that's kind of wow big. i don't know how many hectares are in new brunswick but that's a good chunk in new brunswick <laughs> um, but yeah so the controlled burn that is that is one of the fires from uh from what i've seen and uh yeah so yeah. i suppose in fairness it's probably impossible to never have controlled burns uh escape yeah yeah that's like uh, it, it's, it's like, like many trying to occupations you uh do the best you can but uh, there's no such thing as a perfectly safe environment yeah it's like trying to sculpt a sculpture out of water but you can't freeze it. <laughs> hmm. It's just, it's like, there's, it's not going to take on any predictable form. There's wildfire science and like fire behavior analysts, uh, analysis, sorry, is an insane and crazy, uh, like branch of forestry management. And they're always saying like, when, when your relative humidity is low, when your winds are high and when the fuel types are in this sort of area, just, it's going to be erratic. Like you may just get off the fire line. Um, huh. like the, yeah, we can predict that it's going to be crazy and that's huh. pretty much what we can predict. So, and it ends up being, you know, sprinkler systems around houses and evacuating cities. And huh. I got some friends out in Alberta who were saying, you know, like the sky is bronze. It's like one o'clock in the afternoon and the sky is like this bronze golden color because of all the smoke and the sun <laughs> going through the smoke is yeah there's a there's a very terrifying element to a forest fire of that size mm. mm -hmm. yep do you think culturally we have some of that i guess western european attitudes towards uh, some of this forest management type things where, you know, fires out of control is not part of the, the ecosystems of Western Europe, but in North America, the evidence is that the ecosystems have evolved around uh, wildfire interactions, you know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. plants and trees that uh, don't uh, drop seeds or maybe their seeds don't germinate until they've been exposed to heat and, and so on. So do you think we just aren't in sync with the way the system needs to run? It's crazy because there's a lot of evidence that, and people talk about it quite a lot about how much just not large out of control fires, but small, relatively manageable fires 
Um, okay, sorry. Uh, what's the term that is used? Small, frequent fires were utilized by the people that lived here before Europeans got here uh, to manage the forests. And the forests were, were um, naturally controlled by these small, frequent fires. Whereas now we have, well, I mean, they're becoming a lot more frequent, but we have large, infrequent fires. And that's, yeah, that is definitely part of our our mentality is part of how forests uh forests are managed um, it's all kind of it's all kind of a big gumbo pot of things like that hmm. yeah interesting what else have you been up to ben yeah, so on top of <laughs> uh on top of work, um which part of work has been this big rabies trapping project. So we've got uh six hundred live traps out in a in a cell around a confirmed rabies case. So we are trapping and euthanizing any rabies vector species and sending it to the vet lab for testing for rabies, uh, basically doing a population reduction so that it minimizes this potential spread. There's been four confirmed cases um, since November, or November was the first confirmed case, uh, three since November. And we've got two more weeks of this project. There's a bunch of people throughout the province that are working on it, um, but that's why I said my sanity might not last any longer if I get sprayed by a again. <laughs> um, so... Hmm. so just to confirm, you are putting all these uh, cute little furries up for adoption after you capture them and test them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> any uh, any any mammal can contract rabies, but the strain that was confirmed was a raccoon strain, and raccoons, skunks, groundhogs, any gregarious animal or animal that ends up or tends to run in groups will be a, a vector species so foxes coyotes the problem is that coyotes and foxes generally don't get in live traps mm. uh, even though you bait them with sardines but uh, <laughs> yeah so we're um we're giving them a sleeping pill and sending them to the uh, to the lab for testing yeah, the sleeping pill travels at uh, 1,850 <laughs> feet per second. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, got uh, got the chicken coop pretty well finished. The chickens are laying eggs now. Um, nice. Oh, nice. Got to figure out a, a bit of a run system so that you don't have to mow around the bushes very much, Dan. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, that that'll be cool. Get a little grass control in that little way going. Yeah. Yeah. Some natural fertilizer. Yeah. Um, our the garden has is halfway planted, I believe. Um, and there's also uh, a bunch of shorts on our YouTube channel. If you guys want to check this stuff out, we got a bunch more stuff coming as far as that goes. I've been considering what to do with the stand of maple trees around the house, thin it out, uh, and hopefully be able to tap a little bit 
um, in the uh, the coming or in, in about in less than a year, next winter or spring, um, and got to sort out a spot for the uh, for the sawmill so that we can start milling through all the cedar that we cut. What else? Uh, oh, um, yeah, pruned uh, pruned fruit trees. Dad was up and uh, he was looking at the fruit trees out on the front lawn. He's like, hmm, probably should do a little bit of pruning before it's really, really too late to prune. So we uh, did uh, a bit of pruning on uh, on the fruit trees out in the front yard. And uh, yeah. Hmm. Um, awesome. We got, uh, we got two boosts on fountain. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and one was from at Joel W W as in whiskey, um, boosted a certain amount of sats. I can't remember if there was a comment with it or not. I couldn't find it. It was a while back. Um, but at Canadian farmstead boosted and commented on our, uh, uh, the episode where we talked about, um, episode 33. And, uh, he said, how about modern thrivalism? <laughs> oh, I actually like that. That's I pretty like good. That. Yeah. I know me too. <laughs> that's a real, that's Nicely a really minted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just been, uh, <laughs> that's pretty much what I've been up to in the last, <laughs> last bunch of time. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's still early yet. I realize to some people they may be mid-spring, but uh, it doesn't really feel that way for us. Uh, we got a touch of frost last night. Actually, Owen, you probably got a solid frost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the girls were out uh, early pouring water on all the lettuce plants that Amy planted because they were frozen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So yeah. if you can get out early before the sun gets up and gets on them and, and they thaw that way and pour some water on, they'll actually, they'll survive. So mm -hmm. a lot Have of the frost does set in after the, after dawn hits, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There seems to be, yeah. there is always that temperature drop right at, right at dawn or just after uh, the coldest part of the, part of the night. So I've done it before where we've had to keep, some gardens alive. And so I've actually set up sprinkler systems and a timer to set up. So they would mm -hmm. sprinkle like they'd water basically that time of day. Gotcha. to try to prevent, yeah. uh, but if it gets too cold, then you just basically coat your plants in ice. Um, <laughs> like, you know, so <laughs> that really only helps with, you know, with a frost, but mm -hmm. yeah, it was a pretty, yep. pretty we solid frost. We were driving up yep. to check on our our trap line, and uh, went up. I'm like, it was everything looked gray and hazy. I'm like, oh, it looks like rain. Like Thirty seconds later, the white stuff started hitting the windshield. Mm -hmm. like, uh, it's it's the 17th of May. Why why is it snowing? Yeah. <laughs> I understand it's Atlantic Canada, but holy smokes. Yep. I would, I would much rather this be rain and sun. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's been chilly, but I think we're due for a couple nice, warm, sunny days coming up this weekend. So that'll be good. Yeah. Let the ground warm up finally. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
My grandmother always said, don't plant, or my, not my grandmother, my great-grandmother always said, don't plant your garden until after, uh, what are the Veterans Day or whatever they call it. it like On oh, Memorial Day? Memorial Day, 6th of November or something like that, whatever it is. So, or September. Oh, my goodness. June. <laughs> <laughs> Don't plant your garden at you, uh, June. Change think, normal uh, podcast advice. See, does that correspond with the? Yeah, what do we call it here? I we forget got, what we have. Victoria Day coming up Monday, but it wouldn't be that holiday. No, 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 it's not. That's terrible. I should know what that what that holiday is. <laughs> um, but it's. Yeah, she always she always waited until after that that date, um, and always had as good a garden as anybody else who tried to plant it before. Hmm. So, yeah, it's just uh, I think the ground just doesn't get warm enough. Tune in for part two of the Changing Normal podcast. <laughs>